Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None except. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line. Just stone cold set up. If you're gonna blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with a National Signing Day Week edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. Let's not waste any time and get right into it as I bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drive machine extraordinaire, Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. Not going to ask me how I'm doing? I was or actually <laughs> checking our levels. How are, how are you? It's kind of how we do I this, Matt. <laughs> See, I didn't know if we got into you the dis- automated you response. Disturbed, you disturbed the rhythm. <laughs> the rhythm, yes. Uh, you are a man of great intros. <laughs> I am not. No, it's all good. Uh, speaking of intros, here we go. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin. In Texas in the 40 acres where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he's a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, our lockdown corner here on the show, Mr. Rod Babers. That is a hell of an intro, brother. Thank you, as always. I appreciate it. So, gentlemen, we got, uh, we're got. we not going to go over National Signing Day in depth. Uh, Mike Roach is going to take care of that on State of Recruiting. Yeah. So you want the Signing Day recap. Uh, you know, get it from there. We'll talk about some of it in terms of the big picture, but we won't get into the nitty gritty. Looks like Tom Herman has his coaching staff filled out. We reported Wednesday morning, Texas is set to hire Mark Hagan from Indiana, their co-defensive coordinator as the new defensive ends coach, I guess he would be with Oscar yeah. Giles coaching tackles or vice versa, what yeah. have you. But so the staff is complete and we talked about this a while back, Rod, just in terms of we've seen we've seen a lot of coaching changes within this football program yeah. over the last decade. And there's no air quotes right way to put a staff together. Like even going back to the beginning of the Mac Brown era, like Mac brought some guys from North Carolina. He hired some guys from outside. He brought Bruce Chambers in from the high school mm-hmm. ranks. It was a really good staff Mac put together initially, that first yeah. staff. A lot of those guys, you actually played for all those guys, I think. Uh, Even the reinvention staff wasn't a bad staff. It yeah. didn't work out. And, and, I, and I think I think the only guy that didn't actually end up coming with him from North Carolina that was supposed to was Carl Torbush, who actually ended up getting the job in Chapel Hill. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, but Carl Bullreese ends up being the defensive coordinator, yada, yada, yada. But so since then, we've seen kind of these periods where you have to kind of reboot a program and – you know, Tom Herman, uh, not Tom Herman, Mac Brown, you look back, kind of after 2003, Bull Reese is out. It kind of has to, he kind of has to re- reboot the program a little bit, kind of yeah. get change of energy. Kind of tweak it. He really kind of goes with that Dwayne Aquino line and goes back to Dick Tomey, also brings in Greg Robinson, mm-hmm. and that kind of sets you up to bring in Gene Chizik and you win a national championship in 2005. Then you, we talk about 2008 all the time where things had really gotten stale and had it not been for the combination of Colt McCoy taking off and Mac Brown bringing in Will Muschamp, Muschamp, the decline happens a couple of years before it actually does. I agree with that. that and new and blood it's, it's probably not as steep, as fast, as quick as it was, but it, it happens long before uh, you realize what you had with Colt McCoy and bringing in Will Muschamp, which leads, Rod, as you talked about, to the reboot, which... Honestly, everybody talks about, hey, get a blank check, go hire the best staff available. That's what Mac Brown did after 2010. I mean, mm-hmm. he brings in Brian Harsey, goes and hires Manny he Diaz, is. who was the hot young defensive coordinator. He brings in Bo Davis from Alabama to be his D-line coach. Daryl Wyatt, one of the best receivers coaches in the country. So Stacey Searles was very well yeah, thought of coming over time. from Georgia. I remember that. So ba- there were very, very few holes on that coaching staff, very few guys where you said, oh, that guy can't recruit or he can't develop. It was You basically had everything you could want a coaching staff. All the best young coaches in the country that were up and coming. Mm-hmm. You yeah. fast I'm fo- go get them. Yep. You you fast forward to Charlie Strong and Charlie had 
kind of a he brought some guys with him from Louisville. Brought a guy who was going to be a rainmaker recruiter in Chris Rumpf. Really went more national with his coaching staff than guys. I mean, obviously you bring in Vance Bedford and Les Canning who are Texas guys, but not things were clearly amiss with that staff and we all you guys know yeah. i didn't like the sean watson hire when it happened i hated it a lot more once we saw the product yep. so it was what it was yep and that was his downfall loyalty to sean watson and part you, of it and then you go through charlie's time and a lot of coaches change hands and then here comes tom herman pretty much brings in mm-hmm. the staff with him from u of h made a couple of outside hires tim beck was an outside hire I'm trying to think of who else came in on that staff uh, yeah, pretty much a lot of those guys, though, were with Came him from from U of H. From, from U of H. Well, he's an alignment guy, right? Big on alignment. Everything aligned. He likes, and obviously, mm-hmm. and even here, he likes having some sustained, you know, uh, longevity with his staff. He likes that time for them to connect and form a bond with the team. He said that. With the okay. exception, on the initial staff, with the exception of Tim Beck. Every, he had worked with everybody. Either mm-hmm. they were guys that came with him from U of H, yeah. or he worked with Stan Drayton at Ohio State. Yep. And then, really, you bring in Herb Hand the next year, but basically you, you didn't change staff. So now, as he's put this staff together, guys, he's been in kind of a weird spot. And I say weird spot because Texas coming off a year, even though you know we've kind of processed the Alamo Bowl in, in terms of what you can really take from that and what is kind of fool's gold that don't really look into it that much because we've done that. Did it a year ago, obviously, with bowl games and putting mm-hmm. too much stock into it. But Tom Herman's in this weird spot now where I think the the perception is, and I think we can agree there's some reality to that perception, it's kind of go big or go home in 2020. I mean, you, you clearly 7-5, and five, again, is not going to get it done. Uh, you've got to be 9-10 wins right there in the mix if you're not back. And, and I said going into last year. A failure to make a return trip to the Big 12 championship game, and less than that, was going to be a disappointing season, and that's what it was. Yeah. I think you're in the same boat. You, the, the bare minimum now, the the bar, the lowest bar you can set for Tom Herman in 2020, you got to at least make it to Arlington. Well, and you got a senior quarterback who's best quarterback the 40 acres has seen last 50 years, not named Vince Young or Cole McCoy. So you, if you don't get at least 10 wins and compete for a Big 12 title, I'm with you. That would be, in my opinion, a severe underachievement, considering that you got the quarterback in place. The toughest thing is already done. I know you're changing yeah, staff. timing, it's your best chance. So like yeah, after it's your best that, shot. It's after that, really you're going to have to do it. Think how yeah. hard it's going to be. Then not rebuilding, but you're essentially going to have to start over offensively with <laughs> you need a, a Colt McCoy after your Vince Young. Yeah, like, <laughs> and I know you got a new offensive like uh, philosophy you're bringing in. I mean, he's still going to run the pro spread, but it's going to be your interpretation of the uh, pro spread. But man, I'm, I'm I'm with Matt. I think now this is your best chance. Senior quarterback who's pretty much seen everything you can see in the Big Twelve. You know he's one of the better quarterbacks in the country coming back. Man, if you can't compete for a Big 12 title with that. And I know you got a lot of other things you got to feel. A lot of questions need to be answered. Problems need to be solved. And that's what you got the rest of the offseason for and throughout the season. But like I said, the the bulk of the work is done because you got the quarterback. He's a natural leader. He wants, I mean, he wants to be the best version of himself. This is a guy that grew up being a Texas fan. Mm -hmm. So he wants to be up there with the the all-time greats accomplishing great things at Texas. He's got his eye on the ultimate prize this year, which for him should be a Big 12 title, and then you can start a, a different discussion. Yeah, and you bringing up the idea this year, you know, Big 12 title or a possible disappointment. Well, ended up as a disappointment. Thing is, is it sort of shows also that Herman actually has raised expectations, even though it still didn't meet our expectations. You really weren't feeling that Texas should be in the Big 12 championship game, or it's a failure until this season, and that's the first time in about five years that you really felt that way. Sure. Which it's very odd to say it was disappointing yet it's heightened expectations so he sort of did his job but didn't fully fulfill because now expectations continue to mount which is actually a good sign it's one of those deals where man if you can't go win a big 12 championship with sam ellinger can you go win a big 12 championship can you can this program can't afford to wait right until until you You say well well, that's in car it's gonna be hard yeah but then you're that's that takes years to do i know that i agree with you that's what i'm saying like right now i agree this is your best shot and oklahoma not saying it matters because lincoln Riley can do it he can Mm -hmm. win a big 12 with any quarterback and oklahoma has won i don't know how many big 12 ties it 12 13 now with eight different quarterbacks i lose yeah 13 i only remember me saying 12 and we were like are you kidding me it's like no 
different quarterbacks. So yeah, 13 I, in 19 years, I believe. <laughs> yeah, something freaky like that. So, yeah, they, Spencer Rattler, who's going to be their starting quarterback, I'm sure he's going to be great in that system. But he's still young, and he's going to have his Rattler? growing pains. Isn't it Spencer Rattler? Yeah. I just like, I mean, like the Rattler. No, it Rattler, is, it's, a great, it's, it's an amazing it's a great name. name. And he's, uh, I, he's really impressive, too. He's already going to be a discussion. Heisman contender. Um, but, yeah, you have the senior quarterback in you know in that, that, that battle between you and Oklahoma. And, of course, you are the two powerhouses in the conference. I expect them to at least compete for the Big 12 title. It's always a toss-up when you get there. But, man, if they don't play in the Big 12 title game, yeah, that's a it, it just with Matt Rule now out of the conference. Oh yeah, Matt, you got a gift. You, know what I mean? Matt, you did. You got yeah. a gift. Yeah. Matt Rule decided. He, all right, you know what? I'm going to greener pastures. That is big. I mean, that guy had proven to have been one of the best coaches in the country. Um, hell, might have been you know second best coach in the Big Twelve potentially. Yeah, and yet Cliffy leave the year before. It's like just need to get Lincoln to plug. Got to get Lincoln and to get the hell the, out of here. Those but, type of factors but, cannot but the point even. Is, yeah, the perfect storm is brewing for Texas to be able to compete. Yeah. The, the new coaches. Somebody. I guess in there the compatibility that's going to be the big question. How quickly can the uh, you know the message be received and um, executed with the new coaching staff and the new systems and everything? And I, and I say all that to say this, kind of paint the picture for twenty twenty that it was going to be difficult to kind of get one of those. Here's a blank check. Go hire whoever you want. Kind of staffs. Yeah. Because we saw with some of these searches, Rod, whether it was wide receiver was different. Because I think you had a really good option on campus with Andre Coleman, the Emmett Jones buyout thing at Kansas. It was what it was. But I don't think anybody thinks promoting Andre Coleman was a bad hire. I I, I wouldn't. I would hope you wouldn't because I think that's a really yeah. really good hire for what you need in a receivers coach right now. But we heard about you know how many different D line coaches they looked into, how you know DBs coaches they looked into, linebackers coaches they looked into. It's just it's weird because guys might be hesitant to leave what they feel is a good situation to come to Texas where again the perception is well if you don't win I'm, I'm going to be looking for a job at this time next year and I kind of like where I'm at if you're an assistant coach out there looking for some job so that was the difficult part for Tom Herman putting the staff together is figuring out okay who can you get who's a quality coach who is willing to take a chance? Kind of roll the yeah, roll, roll the, the dice. dice a little yeah, bit. Take a chance on you. And whether you you're gonna get a you know, one year or two years. I you know, and I think Tom Herman, not that he's been given this uh a nod by C D C, but I think it's understood that Tom Herman He's going to be given another year with the new coaching staff, unless literally they, go, you know, have the most disastrous season possible and don't even make a bowl game. Like I said, if you're, you know if, I mean? well, like, if, and we don't expect that to happen, I think so honestly, in theory, two years. He's been given, saying. yeah, he's been given like, hey man, it's a new staff. All right, we'll give you, you know, as long as you don't fall off a freaking yeah, cliff. Unless we go five and seven, exactly. or lose to Kansas. You don't make exactly. You or got I mean, some stuff like that. Got a road then, trip to Kansas this year. Yeah, then you maybe we got to have a conversation. But yeah, I think you know, even if he disappoints by not making the Big Twelve title, but they win nine. games. Games, you know, I still think he's. Okay. Which then begs the question, Rod. If you're looking at seven and five again, you're kind of in that gray area of okay, seven and five. What does it look like? What's the circumstance? It, is, it, is it seven yeah. and five where you've got you've got some of those That's exactly right three touchdown the losses, coyote, where, ugly losses, yeah, where you just don't look competitive at all? Can't have those, you know. And, and even, but even then, I mean, I think we've seen this team kind of live on the edge the last two, really the last three years, with as many one possession games as this team has been. And I, I think what you're what you hope for. To, to build on is you started to see really the last two games, the Texas Tech game and the Utah game. It's really kind of the first times we've seen Tom Herman's teams blow somebody out, like get a sizable lead and, and keep your foot on the gas and finish somebody off and say, okay, that was a convincing win. And in the case of the Utah game, it's like, wow, okay, you they didn't score any garbage time touchdowns. Like, no. okay, you, you beat a really good team by impressive. four touchdowns. It's impress- it was, no, it was impressive. But even getting back to, you know, your point about how does it look, you know, the Georgia game, either it wasn't a blowout than beating Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. But, but it looked Texas, like one. Exactly. When you looked at it, you was like, man, Texas kind of dominated Georgia mm-hmm. in that game. They whipped Georgia in that game. But they did let their foot off the gas a little late. And that was the case all of that year, right? That was the, the that Oklahoma was like the game. Whole, that was, yeah, I think, like three, that's like three or four games where that mm-hmm. happened with Texas basically kind of let their foot off the gas and had a disastrous fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was that was a theme. So I'm with you on that. That is a, I would say that is a growth. That is growth I, that I see from the team, or at least from the culture, that in that Utah game, they were able to not, you know, blow them out and at least, you know, put kind of the nail in the coffin, you know, finish that team. You physically dominated the game and 
and the style yeah. points at the end of the night reflected yeah. that. The scoreboard no, reflected that. No, it could be growth. We don't know yet. But I said, we're not falling for it. Yes, right. just yet. Uh, we want to see. Yeah. And that was because the opponents different... did admit yeah. they treated it as yeah. if it was a vacation. Exactly. And, it was and that's what the co- the players said. The quarterback said that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, different staff. They they barely practiced. They practiced like five yeah, times. Well, that's what we even week. we said on the show, and I even wrote it on the site. Like that game, win or lose, that was the reason why you couldn't take a lot from it because so much was going to be like really like Tom Herman tried to talk all last year about turning the page and all that was last year's team but nobody believed that that yeah. that was happening and I think the product on the field reflected they didn't really treat the offseason that way last year like we talked about it basically you wasted the offseason last year uh, and wasted all those analysts too yeah I, you, I was like you, what the hell was all the analysts doing I thought she uh, was bringing in all these really cool new concepts I was like, yeah, I guess I mean, not yeah the uh, you know I, I know it's kind of it could be a cliche saying I, I know some people have heard various forms of it but you know going back to, to my time playing high school ball, you know, one of the things one of my coaches said, and Greg Carter, who's he's an assistant at Vista Ridge here in Austin, a great guy, he would tell us all the time, he's like, look, he's like, we can go compare size, strength, height, weight with everybody. He's like, and you guys are going to be different. Everybody's going to be different. He's like, the yeah. one thing you have in common with your opponent is time. It's what you do with that with that commodity yeah. that's going to define how you compete against the teams you don't stack up with on paper. Totally agree. And Texas did not take they didn't value that time they had. They didn't. They wasted that time. Yeah. They did not value that commodity. I totally agree. And it with showed. You. But that's why you. That's why you have the big staffs, right? And all the analysts is, is so you can, you know, uh, be able to maximize that time better. So you're not wasting time on what are supposed to be kind of remedial tasks of coaching and scouting and evaluation. And I thought Texas was putting together one of kind of you know the Nick Saban all star support staffs. And I think they were in terms of numbers. But we, going back to your point, how did you use those? guys what mm-hmm. task did you give Larry Fedora when he was here and all and I think Larry Fedora's son was it Dylan, Dylan Fedora was yeah. also here uh you know and Andre Coleman when he was also an analyst when he was here and um, who else did they bring in they brought in somebody else I'm missing some Paul Williams the guy that's Paul coached Williams. a lot of college football yeah. not David Beatty yeah so they <laughs> well the Beatty yeah. thing is different Beatty though. Well, I know I said not they wanted but we to bring in we Beatty did. I think they wanted to bring in Beatty but hell I, I'm sure they were giving it they were getting advice from, from <laughs> exactly Beatty. He brought Beatty he just in. couldn't technically he just like couldn't technically call him that but I'm with I didn't see any of their fingerprints or see any of their right. or at least what I could what I could it, it, at least think or believe were their ideas were new ideas and concepts that came from them it looked like the same old pro spread offense to me yep. and that's the shame with Sam Ellinger in the mix you should have been because he didn't evolve because you didn't evolve the offense right and getting back to the bowl game like that's you know again we talked about and I wrote you can't take too much from it because so much is going to be different we've seen like th- this the 2020 Texas team is going to be a completely different team. Oh, just in so many ways. Just without Duvernay and Colin Johnson alone. Yeah, and then the staff changes and everything staff else. Changes. It's, it's, it, you really, totally you really are now. And, and maybe that's maybe that's a good thing for Tom Herman. Now you're forced to turn the page. Could be. Now you're forced to, you know, based on like the the offensive philosophy, forced to evolve it and grow it, and uh, not be so dependent on. Oh, I just got two really good wideouts that can win one on one matchups. Um, and I think they were dependent on that too much last year. All right, it's time for our first break on this week's show, but there is plenty of Texas football talk on the other side, so do not go anywhere. You're listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. All right, one last break on the show, and when we come back, it'll be time to wrap it up and put it in the oven and close out another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7 for a year. So, okay, there you go. There you have it. Well, bring um, it home, Oscar. It so, home. Rod, we talked about the defensive staff. What about the offensive <laughs> staff? I mean, I, I I think I'm I'm higher on the offensive staff as the defense right now than the defensive staff. Yeah. Um, I really I love the Yersich hire. Uh, I think and Andre Coleman. From what I've heard, from the research I've done, people they the, the players love him. Parents yes. love him. And I think from real, a from a culture standpoint, he's exactly what no that brainer. he's exactly what that room needed. And he's a grinder on the recruiting trail. And like, he told me that. Yeah, and I think that's being that was shown in the the latter days of the of this twenty cycle, the yeah. kind of the work he put mm-hmm. in. And you know, people are gonna believe what they want about the reports on Drew Maringer. Like Drew Maringer wasn't perfect by any means, but where it goes after that, I guess all depends on who you talk to yeah. and what you want to believe.
believe. But the bottom line is mm-hmm. the things in that receiver room needed to change. The culture needed to change. Agreed. And something was wrong. Yeah. And Andre <laughs> Coleman, I think he you can't fire you know, the players. From everything I heard from from the bowl practice, whether it was Brendan Eagles getting right or Jake Smith finally get breaking through that wall that he hit in the middle of the season and just kind of kept banging his head into and everything else, basically getting all your ducks in a row for next season. Because Colin Johnson, Devin Duvernay, you only have those guys for a couple weeks. Yeah, you're gonna you're not one game. About that. But it's getting Brendan Eagles right, getting Jake Smith figured out, figure out what you're going to do with Malcolm Epps, which now it sounds like he'll be in kind of that flex tight end role, which we've talked about. That's probably that tweener role. That's kind of what he is. It's kind of probably where he needs to be. It took him long enough to get there. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, I can understand and, all, and kind of and appreciate what they were trying to do with him at X. What were they trying to do? Well, I think, they, I think they looked at <laughs> – He ain't lying to sweet. Well, no, no, no. no, no, but no, still like no that, that mold. No, but th- this is what I think they were doing with, with what they want out of that position. The, the worry was he's never going to block well enough to be a tight end. But they felt like what he did do well, and sometimes we saw this, sometimes we, sometimes we saw this, sometimes we didn't, is his size, his ability to high point the ball, what they valued, what the previous coaches valued at that X position, they thought would play well there. And you could kind of see it. It just didn't always translate. But I think, Rod, I think we can all agree, if you can find a good matchup for him on a week-to-week basis, just move him around and don't pigeonhole him into make him this or make him this. Just, again, make him your matchup guy. I didn't understand. I, I could have watched him honestly for ten minutes run routes and go. Well, he ain't gonna be the X on the outside. Yeah, he's not a modern day outside he's not, receiver. He's not. He's not. He's definitely not creating separation, and he's not Colin Johnson, where his catch radius and high pointing ability of the ball is in elite quality. He's not. I there. think that's where they. That's where and they. You could train that. him for that, but usually that is kind of a natural thing, especially yeah. for a big guy. Usually he's like, "This is how I dominate. I just go, just throw it high. I go the get it." We expected and, him basically. Be throwing, they be throwing alley hoops to him. They mm-hmm. should have been because he's what six? Is he six six? Or six he's seven? legit six six. He you know might I mean? he might be close to six seven yeah. bare feet. So uh, he's got the frame. I totally agree with that. But my thing was going back to the evaluation. Y'all didn't know. Y'all didn't see that. Did we we've been we've been, t- we've been saying they should play him at the flex tight end. Like uh, we brought up Dan Buckner, Dan Buckner yeah. before, and we brought up that several times. We brought that up last year, last year, mm-hmm. and they just figured that out. Yeah, it's like I'm, come on, man. I mean, like, it, what are y'all? doing in the offseason getting back to your point what are y'all doing are you evaluating these players to put them in a certain position to be successful what are you doing because that didn't take long to figure out and then that'll lead you to okay then we got to find another guy that can play the x or we got to cross train eagles to play the x and the z and we got to do this now that'll lead you down to where you go oh you know what jordan whittington we got to make sure that he can play wide receiver and the running back whatever it is all right to try to give yourself multiple options to solve the problem but the fact that you will keep trying to shove these, you know, these round, these, you know, these round pegs to square holes is crazy to me. Yeah, because Epps, his size, is a just, square peg in a round. It can be like. enticing. <laughs> in, well, either way, they both don't work. A, I think you can get a round. Well, if it's smaller, it depends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get that point. You can put a square inside any circle in the. You get the. It doesn't fit. And then exactly, and Epps didn't at that position, and it sort of was weird because, like you know, we have we've seen receivers basically become more athletic, have more ability. Like if you have to high point a ball, you got to be able to jump. It didn't seem like Epps would get off the ground. I, he had no short like, space yeah. quickness. He had all Great the things point. that made you trend to be a tight end, yet you're identifying and putting him almost because you don't have, because of the rigidity of the just 11 personnel that you right. were running, you the needed system. somebody to play this role, yeah. and maybe nobody fit the role, so they put the biggest guy out there. Either way, it just Ridiculous. wasn't an efficient way to use your talent. You want to get the best 11 yeah. out there. That's why we were wanting the guys with more multiplicity so you can shift them around and put them in different spots and exactly create right. those mismatches instead of putting a guy that's not respected so then it almost can get all the other parts of the defense to focus on where the ball is actually going to be funneled because now you've almost made it 10 on 11 if you don't respect half of the stuff that he does from that position. Yeah. It's a disservice to the player. Is what yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I, un- Malcolm Epps I understood no. the thought process and putting him out there but that was on the coaches. Like, if he can't do those things you thought he could do then you've misevaluated the player. Why'd you think he exactly. could do it? Exactly. I mean, and we, like I'm saying, like then that's a that's a then that's another entirely different issue. Yeah. But your misevaluations of players, and, and then you got to go back and look at, okay, did we misevaluate? How many players have we misevaluated if we missed that one? Well, let's go back makes, and look at that's all what, of them and that's see what, if we misevaluated some other guys. Every every there you time, go. as we kind of shift to talk a little recruiting, every every year when these classes get put on paper and you just kind of look at it as a whole, there's again there's a difference between acquiring talent and building a team. Yeah. If you're just recruiting guys just because he's ranked in a certain spot and it's going to kind of 
to boost your profile and boost your class ranking. That's not how you do things. Yeah, in a vacuum, it's not how you win games. Each of the 85 individual players have totally their agree. own skill sets. They do not matter. You can get 85 of the best ones, but they don't fit as well. It's not going to work. And those are the type of idea that viewing each player individually in the vacuum is almost just pointless to do when you're actually trying to look at how the team is being put together and extrapolate success. Because well, even with the way the recruiting services are set up is to project NFL future, not what they're going to do also, collegiately. That's a really good point. So it's so huge that? to think and connect those to where it's good to have highly talented players, but you got to trust that your institutions put the right person in place to identify which ones fit. I, I still think, I, I, and I agree with both of you guys, but I think it goes back to even more so than, you know, make sure you get the guys that fit your system and yes. your, your ideology. You know, you got to develop that talent really well. And you got to figure out what you do. Say, say you're not really good at developing talent. Then you got to make sure you're getting the top players yep. at right, every position, mm-hmm. period. You got to be Mac Brown. You got to be Mac Brown. Knew. He didn't and have that Mac Brown was the best guys. He wasn't developing, you know, a ton of talent. Like a lot of guys came into the system, and honestly, Corey Redding probably was underdeveloped. Not gonna lie to you. <laughs> I mean, Corey Redding should have been a better player. Um, and and I'm just saying because he was he was he came in as like a linebacker. Yeah, top he come player in the an nation. outside linebacker, kind of a Joseph side, but he's the best defensive player in the country. And because of I don't know if it's misevaluations or what, ends up end up putting him as, as like a you know hand in the dirt defensive end, which in my opinion honestly shortchanged him a little bit. And then in the NFL, he ends up becoming like a D tackle mm-hmm. <laughs> later on. But I think they shortchanged him. I think he should have been kind of the next level of a def- a, a, a multiple defender yeah. that would multiplicity play early a three, on. Four or a four yeah, three. he could have been doing a lot of freaky stuff. But I mean, they were, they were thinking old school. But getting back to the point about Mac Brown, Mac Brown just said, "Okay, I'm just gonna get the best. Yes. I'm gonna get the best player defensive in the country. That's Corey Red. I'm gonna get the best uh, offensive player in the country. That's Chris Sims. Also underdeveloped. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And boom, we're gonna beat everybody. Three, five star receivers. We're gonna have the best of the best of the best, which is ultimately one of the reasons that he's a, he became a prisoner of his own excellence after those years of acquiring the best of the best of the best of the best. People are going, hey, why not more results? More yeah, results. Look at all, all the these best. recruiting classes. You got the best. Why aren't you the best? You're mm-hmm. recruiting the best. You're getting the best. Why aren't you the best? And then ultimately, of course, he ends up winning the national title later. So you can go the Mac Brown route, or you can go, you know, a route about, hey, I develop talent really well. I'm Matt freaking rule. All right, I develop talent. Mm-hmm. You know what? Man, just give me a damn ball player. I will turn him into a you know, Gary Patterson. All right, Mike Gundy. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll turn him into a, a player. I know there's a certain ceiling when you're recruiting those types of players, which is why Texas, you know, you Ohio State and the yeah. Clemson's and the Bama's, you know, they're both. They have that you know hundred I mean? percentile possibility. They're doing both. They're getting the best players in the country, but they're also developing them like a son of a gun. And you, so you got to have both to be a true champion. Now, like I said, nothing wrong with Oklahoma State's doing, nothing wrong with what TCU's doing, but we all know they're going to contend for a national title every, what, 15 years or so, maybe? You, you have to do, I, I've talked you know a lot, I mean? I've talked a lot about They're going to have to get that perfect formula. I've talked a lot about the 2014 TCU team. You basically have to catch lightning in a bottle. Yeah, like and they did. Yeah. New OC, right, two new OCs with Sonny Cumbie. With, with the perfect quarterback to run yeah. that offense and Trevon Boykin, and you just happen to have a first-round pick at wide receiver and Josh Doxson. You were loaded at running back. You had a top, what, a top 10 defense in the country. Yeah. And you, again, I, I say this all the time about that team, they were one just meltdown in the fourth quarter in Waco away from being in the playoffs. Like, if TCU exactly. beats Baylor, they're in the playoffs. That's another thing you got to talk about is Baylor. Mm-hmm. Baylor's done it really more Twice. than a more than a school of their you know of their ilk should have been able to do it with Art Browns and then coming back to do it again with Matt Rule. If there's like, a, not an just, example, just it's this into, decade Baylor yeah, just shows. Just getting the college football playoff discussion. You know what I mean? What and a good coach can do with Baylor this decade. Yeah, so considering what, everything. You know, considering where Texas is, you know that's that's another reason why if you're you know, Tom Herman and CDC, you know they they really need to come up with what they what their standard is for success here because a lot of people are looking at Baylor and going, man, Baylor's done it two different times with well, two different coaches yeah. after having significant sanctions and one of the lowest points for any program in the history of college football, and yet, boom, one good coach comes back, brings them back to life. If Dave Aranda does it, then that's I mean, it's going to look really bad. Well, no, I just it's going to look re- really bad for Texas exactly. and Tom and they And they're the Texas version of Miami, the private university that had a Schnellenberger and a Jimmy Johnson and in one decade transformed point. from being the laughing stock. Miami was a laughing stock. Baylor was a laughing stock. Then you get two transcendent coaches that understand what they're doing and forever change that institution sure. to where they're viewed at a level that you were never viewed before. And Baylor's got to that point that they're viewed as a national program. And, you know, to any Joe Blow, you're playing a Big 12 team. 
team. It's like, oh, Tech, Baylor, Texas, you know, like you're clumped in. They're that successful. It's crazy to think. But when you're in a private university in a recruiting hotbed, just get a couple of the right coaches and it can change you forever. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Baylor, the interesting thing about Baylor, when you look at Texas and we've talked about the coaching staff in all different kinds of ways Texas has tried to do it, Baylor did it right in two very different ways. One was you had a schematic advantage that nobody else in the country had. You had that that, Art Browse Veer and shoot. Like we talked about that Veer and shoot offense. Man, if you're not Art Browse, Kendall Browse, Sterling Gilbert, Matt Maddox, Dino Babers, Dino Babers, like very, it was like like six guys in the country. Unless you're you're one of those guys, you're not getting that offense. And it was the playbook. They literally Mm -hmm. were like, it was like a conceptual thing. They passed down like a religion from each other, (laughs) the spoken word. Yeah. That's why I'm the chosen son. And I I wouldn't even put Dino Babers on there because now you look, who did Dino Babers just hire as his offensive coordinator? He wants the Veer shoot, so he went and got Sterling Gilbert again. We want some more pure, a pure version of line, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, it, 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 maybe it had gotten it, yeah. watered down a little no, bit. No, you're right and about that. You look at Jeff Trailer at UTSA, who's his OC. I mean, brings in Matt Maddox because yeah. he wants that offense. And wants that offense. Again, baby. if you want well, that offense, works. you get it for a certain It works. And then, like, we <laughs> talk about with Matt Rule. Matt Rule, Matt Rule, this is why I think he's great for the college game, and I'm interested to see how it works in the NFL. Matt Rule looks at prospects almost like somebody looks at flipping houses. Has this house got good bones in it? Um, is it a good neighborhood? Yeah, I can work with this. Like, why, why are you going to buy that house? Yeah. But he's a talent developer though. That's why I think he's gonna yeah. be great in the league. And he's just like, trust me, give me give yeah. me some time and I'll, I'll turn this into I'll make a profit on yeah, this. So for that point, Joe great Brady. at great at finding like penny stocks, which yeah. the NFL is all about the salary cap league. So you can find a guy, a, a, you know, be an undrafted free agent and turn him into a guy that's a contributor. Man, that's money. That's money that you're yeah. saving the whole franchise. He's one of those guys. He can develop talent really well and his football knowledge, as we've talked about, probably more expansive than honestly most coaches at the college level or the pro level other than Bill Belichick and John Harbaugh um, and actually I think Joe Judge is in there too he's one of the only coaches in the NFL that's coached all three phases of the game yeah you know what I mean in different positions the guy I, I think he's going to be a, a smashing success in the league man I'm a huge Matt Rule fan and getting back to Matt's point a minute ago on the Baylor thing that's what's so frustrating for Texas fans and I think even honestly for Texas A&M fans too like I've said for years great point I said for years because at least Texas has that 05 national championship you played for one in 09. Like to me, ain't is the most underachieving program in the country in the last probably 50 years. Yeah, they haven't done anything in the world. When you, since when world you look at the, the resources, the recruiting background, like at least Texas has skins on the wall. What does AM have? You could argue that. You could argue that. Uh, they had Johnny yep. and Jimbo. They had that one year with Johnny Manziel. They have Johnny and Jimbo pretty much. Johnny Manziel. And you're paying is your Jimbo Fisher's the highest paid coach in the country. And you get 75 but, million guaranteed. But for them to get a chance, and, that, and I guess, I mean, you pay any anybody would come for that kind of money, but yeah. they had a national championship winning coach with him. Yeah, they could have gave Mac Brown that money. Mac Brown would have mm-hmm. been like, ah, hook him, horns down, I finally horns learned. down. <laughs> Thumbs horns up. Down. <laughs> gig him, gig him, guys, gig him. Hell, <laughs> hell, I'll live in College Station you pay me enough money. Exactly. I think anybody, so I guess that doesn't mean as much, but at least they got a, a national championship winning coach and they had Johnny. So you're right, they haven't done much, but you know, it's, but, they're, they're still young in their, uh, in their pursuit to be a blue blood. You know what I mean? Yeah. They just started on this journey. It's less than 10 years, so they're still they they just moved into this neighborhood in the SEC West. And I just they thought just, about Mike Leach's back them. to rag yeah, on exactly. the Aggies. I can't believe it. And, 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 this, is, and this ultimately is, is why they're going to be haunted. You know, they left the Big 12, and the Big 12, you know, was the most prolific offensive league in the country and obviously has continued that tradition. And now you look at that SEC West now with <laughs> the game you, know, you, got changed, a Brown, you got Kendall Browse in there calling plays for what? What's he, Arkansas? Arkansas and Pittman, then you got Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss bringing in a high-powered offense. Bama's been high-powered for a while with Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah, you got Leach. Yeah, Malzahn's still there. Malzahn's still there, but you got Chad Morris. Yeah, now It's like the Big Twelve all over again, and that's not really good news for for A and M. Because that, yeah, that that SEC West now is it's an offensive juggernaut. I don't know what LSU is going to do, but I'm assuming they'll try to just keep whatever Joe Brady had going, but without Joe Brady. So is A and M in the SEC? Is it like the? Thank you for taking him. <laughs> Good point. Thank he you. He can't come into the state and recruit Matt the best Rule, quarterbacks we, and we receivers. Matt Rule a lot. Uh, yes. this, after this past year, he he'll lead a lot of pressure. Two games next year. He left Baylor with a new coach, so I'm glad. And he also left LSU without an offensive coordinator. Thank so you. So Rod, are, are you are you basically <laughs> saying that A and M and A and M's pursuit to be a blue blood is it kind of like uh, I guess kind of like the poor person that wins the lottery and then immediately moves into like the really nice neighborhood and I it's like, like look we're in this gated community. Could you please not have your cars on blocks in the front yard? <laughs> yeah. They haven't learned yet, right? The uh, how to conduct themselves like a blue blood. They still do. Can you please like, not leave your spit cups laying around yeah. at the country club? 
Yeah, and they're not going to be a blue blood until they can win a national title and also not only that, but then consistently, you know, win after that 10, 11 win season. That's going to be really tough in the SEC West. It just is. For your show, you need to pull up some of the old Aggie quotes from Mike Leach just talking about how come they get to pretend they're soldiers. They're actually in the military. (laughs) I'm going to go have a Mike's Pirate School. The freshmen get bandanas when you're a senior. I give you the skull and crossbones. But yeah, Mike Leach, he's been hilarious. But again, I I mean, we'll we'll get to signing day and A&M's going to sign a really good class and Texas is going to sign a really good class and they're both just going to kind of be the the, the the trend looks like just kind of hey, you're just kind of Listen, I still puttering su- along trying st- to figure it out. I still support the A&M move. I think it, I, told, I said at the time it was the right move. I said they'd go there and be successful. I think they have been successful. You're looking at the circumstances, they got a Heisman Trophy winner out of the damn deal. They ended up you know having one of the greatest seasons ever out of it and they're making more money. They get Jimbo Fisher. I, I do. I think it lifted their profile but there's a cost, and the cost is got to play Bama every year. The cost, the cost is that year. great year you had. You were third place in your own division. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That that is the cost. <laughs> yeah, it's the cost. It's like when you move into that really nice neighborhood. You know, the property taxes go through the roof. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. you want to live in Westlake? Yeah, of course you do. But them property taxes are a son of a. <laughs> and that's the same thing for for A and M. They moved into the really nice neighborhood, the best neighborhood in college football, where all the blue bloods are, mm-hmm. Auburn and Bama and LSU. Because they want the image. They but, want to be big. Time, they wouldn't be big time, but can they afford the property taxes of college football, which is getting your head bludgeoned in by Bama, LSU, and Auburn every year? Not saying it's happening every year, Aggies. I'm just saying, I mean, it, it would happen it's to us every happen. year right now. We get bludgeoned by those programs if we played them every so, year. So they get those checks. They get those checks, And they got actually went there that's for the hot. communism, so and they didn't want to come go. here. So it's worth it. They, 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 they're making money, and they lift their profile, and they play big games. And they against, played it safe and did it yeah. that way. They could have stayed here so, and maybe taken over the conference yeah. that year with Jimmy Johnny Manziel. They would have made and so much ultimately, money. Ultimately, the move, it did hurt Texas. And it, yeah. hurt, it hurt Texas and it hurt the Big 12. So if that was their goal, ultimately, probably it it, it worked. Do you want to be did. good or do you want to hurt Texas? Texas. Hurt, the Big 12. Yeah, hurt you, Texas. Exactly. Hurt Texas, that matters? <laughs> hurt, okay, you know what's so going to really hurt Texas? Then let's do it. It, did, do it. <laughs> it did exactly what I thought it was going to do and what a lot of us called from the standpoint that it, it's different for Alabama and LSU to recruit Texas if they just wanted to go get a kid out of Texas that they really like. Back in the day. It's a whole different ball game when now there's a school in Texas that's in your division you that is them. threatening to take money out of your mouth. Amen. Now you have to recruit Texas. You it has to be its own territory for mm-hmm. you. You have yeah. to pay. It, it has to be more important for you. And yeah. we've seen LSU do it. We've seen Alabama do it. We've seen everybody in the SEC. Everybody in the SEC. Florida's coming in to recruit everybody. Texas more than yeah, they ever yeah. have now. I saw Florida got like a quarterback Georgia. out of Texas. I was like, out of Houston. I was like, what the hell? Georgia Georgia's coming in to recruit Texas. Yeah. Which now makes it that's why Texas now has to go. So now everybody basically almost close to you know half or you know maybe a third of your class is going to be out of state just because the modernization of college football but also but you know the big 12 the the pac 12 and uh I, honestly you know the the sec with florida i think they could throw in that category those schools in those fertile recruiting grounds the best recruiting states in the country the blue bloods don't have a chokehold on those states anymore like they used to right right it used to be like oh texas owns texas oh florida state uh and florida and miami they own florida that's not the case anymore look right? at the usc doesn't own california look at southern california where, where are the top two prospects in southern california signing where this year? i'll tell you where they're going one's going to alabama the yeah. other's going to clemson uh, that quarterback right they're going to bama yeah. Yeah. america's youth is yeah. less regionalized than exactly. it's ever been yeah. the internet world has made you be able to yeah. where you can be fans of teams on other sides of the country and like you can feel the closeness that you get because your media coverage of your favorite player or favorite school is so much more vast you used to have to rely on local media for the local teams because it wasn't even available to you so it's changed the dynamic it's, it's not just that, that though. totally move it's not just that it's, it's, the, it's the recruiting process and the access kids have understanding like the unofficial visit process like if you're in a contact period you can take unofficial visits as much as you want well and then now and, now, them all. and now that you've got you've that got select seven on seven teams a lot of these club teams they'll travel they'll Traveling go anyway. hit schools and some kids are using their spring break now okay i'm gonna go to the southeast i'm gonna go visit bama auburn yeah. i'm gonna get over to florida and get up to clemson and it's before and, I come it's, home. and it's cheaper uh just economically in our country to travel than it's ever been so yeah if you actually if you make plans way ahead of time say you're a you're a young junior you're already getting interest then yeah uh, actually you can you know make flight reservations and go fly different you know different games and you know different weekends and go yeah. see teams so yes yeah, it's, it's a whole it's a whole different world but the question is can texas in this new ecosystem right where you know mac brown did it differently he was like 
a he was like a third world dictator. He he ruled this state with an iron fist, and it was trickle down economics for everybody else. You just got the leftovers that Texas didn't get, and that's how they won the national title. Then they would go take a Chris Sims or a Boskay, you know what I mean, from a from a, of another state. But now now that it's you know a, you know you're you're basically a half or three fourths of your recruiting class gonna be from Texas, and the rest is gonna be out of state. You know, can Texas win a national title in this new ecosystem? That really hasn't been proven. And honestly, the Big 12 really hasn't proven that it can win a national title in this new ecosystem, right? So it's been a while, even since they competed for a national title in this new ecosystem. Because I think what's what's different about the Big 12 in recruiting is that, you know, Texas is the state that supports all the 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 football life in in the Big 12. It's the state of Texas. You don't really have any other fertile recruiting grounds that support mm. the conference. The, the SEC, the SEC and the stuff. ACC, too, they got so many damn states that produce NFL players per capita in the top 10. I can't even name them. And even California's got, you know, there's still with, with California, you got the Pac-12, and you got you know Colorado and Washington are still producing NFL. And they got all the, the Polynesians and Hawaiians. Mm, Arizona. And, and Arizona at a pretty good clip. What's the Big 12? What is it? Oklahoma? Oklahoma's like 30th, I think, or something like that in producing NFL players you're per not, capita. You're not going to You can't count on Louisiana. I mean, whatever you're getting out of Louisiana, it's mostly going to be guys that LSU doesn't want. Or well, yeah, you know what I mean? Because they rule that state how Mac Brown used to rule Texas. Like, no, yeah. we get the best players in the state, and then we whatever we don't want, you can have. You can't. I mean, <laughs> you can't even really count on like you know Kansas City metro area because of Kansas Kansas State. You really can't count on that either. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, so so I, I understand them. I'm just saying like, that that now has kind of changed the dynamic in the state, and of course now A and M has left the floodgates open for the SEC, as we mentioned. So it's, a, it's just a different ecosystem. You got to master it. I'm just I'm wondering how Tom Herman's going to do it. So in the in the context of what we're talking about A and M is Texas then because I, I do think I mean look if the Big Twelve is going to win a national championship it's it's going to be Texas or Oklahoma because yes, of course Texas and Oklahoma have access to the type of line of scrimmage talent you need to go win a national championship yep. especially with the as playoff you, now as you where you need up, two wins yeah. not one yeah the talked, D line and that O line you need yeah, them talked about that last week I mean it's and Oklahoma we saw Oklahoma uh, with Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray probably the best offensive line in the country with those guys but yeah. at some point man if you don't have the horses up front defensively, you're going to get exposed at some point. Yep, I totally agree, especially in that college football playoff. And that's what happens to Oklahoma every year. And, and we're, I don't know if we're close to Oklahoma. That's my concern, too. Right. How close are we to them? And they have been more consistent at competing. Well, so is that, is that, is, is Texas, is Texas the, the house in the gated community that everybody looks at? Like, wow, that's a really nice house. And then you get inside and plumbing doesn't work. You <laughs> yeah. Light fixtures hanging all over the place. No, like, no, what, is, what, what did you guys do in here? That's a good one. It's Man, like, remember that the facility. In every, every nice neighborhood, there's this really old, nice house. And it used to be the uh-huh. Nicest house on the block, yep. right? It was really nice. And now after ten years, <laughs> after, yeah, that's right. After like a decade of you know, kind of people not pay, you know, not not keeping up with it and not showing it a little TLC and it being ignored. And like you said, now it's haunted. Yeah, it's now like it's the got Adams cobwebs. Family house. And yeah, now it's got cobwebs everywhere and like the the plumbing, it, it it's broken and sucks and the wiring is all bad. It still got a really really good foundation though, and like. You know, uh, the 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 so great. saying we have potential. The great DeLos Dodds always said, you know, we we don't keep up with the Joneses. We are the Joneses. And my reply always was, well, now the Johnsons are caught up with the Joneses. So what are we gonna do? And that's what's going on with Texas right now. Yeah, you're right. Still got that really nice house, but it's decayed and broken down. And all the houses on the block now look better. Look nice and fancy. It look nicer. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's like that's a nice house. Baby's mm-hmm. got a nicer house. I think. No, no yeah. way. It's like they got river. They got them jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> so to tie this all together when you look at this Texas (laughs) signing class and we'll see where it ends it should be another top 10 class for Tom Herman like we talked about last week I just get so infuriated at the well you know player development's more important than recruiting like no it's all important it's all important. you need to get you need to get here here's like you said it perfectly Rod and I'm just going to kind of repeat what you said Alabama Ohio State Clemson they've shown you how recruiting should work Mm -hmm. you have to do the best job you can to get high-end prospects that fit your football ideology and then develop them and that's when you're competing for national championships. Yep, no doubt. I mean, that's why those programs are so consistent. You you, we, you know recruiting. You have to get the top talent. And don't that's, fall off. That's why there are only like 10 or 12 teams that can win the national title every year. Yeah. Alright, that's the reality. They're why? always in that same Because they're the 
only ones getting the top talent. <laughs> if you don't get those guys, you're probably not going to compete for it. Right. Maybe you can every now and then like a TC or Oklahoma State or a Baylor did. Uh, so, But I'm with you. I think for Tom Herman, he's getting that top talent. We know that. Uh, and now we got to see if this new coaching staff can develop these guys in their these new systems. And I don't think it, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think it should take that long either. I don't, you know, getting these guys acclimated to a new system. I don't think it should be something that should be a long drawn out process. If it does, then that means you guys didn't make the systems not compatible with with the talent. And that should always be your main goal: make the system compatible to the talent, man. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I don't know if enough of that's going on. So how do you do that? Well, Matt, it goes back to what you and I have talked about for a long time. You got to minimize your bust. Amen. And if you look at, let's say, look at Tom Herman, that abbreviated cycle they had, right? He talked about the transition class. And, oh, mm-hmm. transition class have such high bust rates and this, that, and the other. Even if you want to throw Rob Cummins in there who, you know, never really did anything because of injuries. It was all injuries. Yeah. Had, I got three, four knee operations. Jeez. Even if you throw him in there in with what would be considered the bust rate with Tony O'Carter and Jordan Pounce, that 2017 class right now is tracking for only like a 17.6% bust rate. Pretty good. You're under, pretty you, you, good. If you're under 20% bust rate, then you're you're doing really, really well. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And you throw in, you got your franchise quarterback, Taquan Graham's in that class. You got Gary Johnson in that class. Yeah, you got some ballers in Montreal that class. Still and Josh Thompson are guys who count. Kay Brewer, Derek Kerstetter, Sam Cosme. So, yeah, I mean, they're, you're. And, and if I'm not mistaken, that was one of the lowest ranked classes in Texas football recruiting history. 25th, correct? 25th in the country. Uh, lowest in the modern era. So, I wonder, as I was got my, my, my thought about Tom Herman, you know, and his the underdog, uh, you know, philosophy and psychology with him, where, you know, he, he loves being David more so than being Goliath. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of goes into that, right? Where he's recruiting a lot of these guys who, it's kind of, that was like his makeshift recruiting class. That was an underrated recruiting class. Didn't have a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, high ranked blue <laughs> chip guys. guys. And yet he churned out a lot. He's, he's getting the most out of that class. <laughs> Talk getting, about alignment. Maybe yeah. that's alignment. So, well, I'm just saying, like, that's, you know, I, so I want him to kind of have that same approach with the 2018 and 2019 class. And I wonder, because they were so talented, if he changed up his approach. Would you like to know your bust rate right now tracking for the 2018 class? Give it to me. 7.8%. Pretty good. That's damn awesome. good. Damn good. Now you've got guys that are. We've talked about this group, like you know, like the Caden Stearns, B.J. Foster, Brennan Eagles. Like you know what you got with those They're guys. Yeah, yeah. But the you know Reese Moore, Rafidi Germain, Vontae Waters. This is Daniel Carson. Like this is yeah. the time when you need to start to figure out, okay, which way are these guys going to go? Hard to project the hit rate of that class, mm. but if you can just like you said, we always believe the key was, and Matt statistically pointed out, and for years has been championing it, but if you just minimize the bus rate, a lot of the other stuff will take care of itself. Just mm-hmm. make sure that you have, the, you keep the talent on campus. Yep. Don't let the exodus happen. Have average everywhere, you know I mean? and then you're going to be as good as your stars. Yeah, like you don't want to have a crater somewhere which Exactly. Can don't have the collapse yep. because you have guys that can fill in when there's an injury at a certain position, or one guy ends up having to medically retire out of nowhere, which mm-hmm. inevitably will happen to everybody. Yep. There'll be something that happens to one guy, injury, medical retirement, uh, maybe Chance. one guy transfers, mm-hmm. transfer portal, whatever it is, and if you just got enough talent and depth, you can you can mitigate that damage. But when yeah. you don't, that's when you get the the, the got fall off a cliff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, all right, break time on the show. We've got some football talk on the other side, but it is also going to be time to wrap it up and put it in the oven, and we will do that as we close out another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. Asthma symptoms can attack anywhere, like on a city street. <laughs> Now you can get fast relief anywhere with new improved Primatine Mist, the only FDA-approved asthma inhaler available over the counter. So whether you need relief of symptoms at the park or at your kitchen table, Primatine Mist starts working quickly, opening up your airways to restore free breathing. For temporary relief of mild symptoms of intermittent asthma, use Primatine Mist and breathe easy again. Available at CBS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens. Use as directed. I'd love to hear more. Do you have a card? This is it. This is when you can either let something happen or make it happen with your professional custom card from Vistaprint. And we're now introducing free shipping on all business cards in any quantity. You pick the look, the style, and the statement you want to make in the moment. Now's the time to make something happen for your business. So for a limited time only, you can own the now with free shipping on all business cards in any quantity at Vistaprint.com. Just use promo code 4545. That's Vistaprint.com promo code 4545. 
If you're worried about your cholesterol, hear how others are taking charge with garlic. My doctor said my cholesterol was borderline, but I've been taking garlic and it works. I've been taking garlic for years. My pharmacist recommended garlic. He said there's an ingredient in garlic that helps maintain healthy cholesterol. I take garlic every day. No garlic breath. Lots of people like you are choosing garlic to help maintain a healthy cholesterol. Garlic, it's cholesterol's natural enemy. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Use as directed. Keeps coming. You know what to do. Hey, I'm gonna just rip this band-aid off. We need to break up. You're just, you're not good for me. I'm always sweaty and uncomfortable around you. And I'm not getting any benefits from this relationship. You're just a basic memory foam mattress. I deserve better. And before you ask, yes, there is someone else. I've been seeing the purple mattress online for a while now. Don't blame yourself. How can you compete with a bed that totally supports me, hugs my pressure points, and sleeps so effortlessly cool? Not to mention the 100-night trial and free shipping. Now that's a bed with benefits. It'll make me feel better than you ever could. Break up with your old mattress and get with Purple today by texting OFFER to 84888. Get in on major bundle savings with Purple's President's Day Sale. Save up to $350 on a mattress and sleep bundle. Bundle up and save big when you text OFFER to 84888. That's keyword O-F-F-E-R to 84888. Message and data rates may apply. Asthma symptoms can attack anywhere, like on a city street. (coughs) Now you can get fast relief anywhere with new improved Primatine Mist, the only FDA-approved asthma inhaler available over the counter. So whether you need relief of symptoms at the park or at your kitchen table, Primatine Mist starts working quickly, opening up your airways to restore free breathing. For temporary relief of mild symptoms of intermittent asthma, use Primatine Mist and breathe easy again. Available at CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens. Use as directed. If you're worried about your cholesterol, hear how others are taking charge with garlic. My doctor said my cholesterol was borderline, but I've been taking garlic and it works. I've been taking garlic for years. My pharmacist recommended garlic. He said there's an ingredient in garlic that helps maintain healthy cholesterol. I take garlic every day. No garlic breath. Lots of people like you are choosing garlic to help maintain a healthy cholesterol. Garlic, it's cholesterol's natural enemy. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Use as directed. Keeps coming. You know what to do. Hey, I'm going to just rip this Band-Aid off. We need to break up. You're just, you're not good for me. I'm always sweaty and uncomfortable around you. And I'm not getting any benefits from this relationship. You're just a basic memory foam mattress. I deserve better. And before you ask, yes, there is someone else. I've been seeing the purple mattress online for a while now. Don't blame yourself. How can you compete with a bed that totally supports me, hugs my pressure points, and sleeps so effortlessly cool? Not to mention the 100-night trial and free shipping. Now that's a bed with benefits. It'll make me feel better than you ever could. Break up with your old mattress and get with Purple today by texting OFFER to 84888. Get in on major bundle savings with Purple's President's Day Sale. Save up to $350 on a mattress and sleep bundle. Bundle up and save big when you text OFFER to 84888. That's keyword O-F-F-E-R to 84888. Message and data rates may apply. Asthma symptoms can attack anywhere, like on a city street. (coughs) Now you can get fast relief anywhere with new improved Primatine Mist, the only FDA-approved asthma inhaler available over the counter. So whether you need relief of symptoms at the park or at your kitchen table, Primatine Mist starts working quickly, opening up your airways to restore free breathing. For temporary relief of mild symptoms of intermittent asthma, use Primatine Mist and breathe easy again. Available at CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens. Use as directed. All right, that's going to do it for this week's show. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You are more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother, anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn 1049, 1019, AM 1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. You can get Rod B. on the Rodcast each and every weekday from 1 to 3. Shameless plug. Thanks to Matt, you can find our classic interviews, classic shows, all of our archives on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. And you can get Longhorn Blitz each and every week by searching Horn's 24-7 podcast. You get us, you get State of Recruiting and the flagship anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. Spotify, just search Horns 24-7 Podcasts. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we'll catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns24.